get fucking booster, everybody. I got a booster and I'm fine. My wife didn't get a booster. Guess what? Sick as a goddamn dog. So get a booster, everyone. I don't know what you're waiting for. Hey, Michigan, I see you out there. Get boosted. Idaho, get your ass boosted. Florida, whatever. But Texas, get boosted. God damn it. California, get out of Dodger Stadium. Get boosted. All the other states also get boosted. Listen, one of the best things about getting a booster shot is that you can say I'm boosted. And now on with the show. I legit almost forgot to start recording. I You've been pushing me. How much time do you need? I'm almost ready, Andrew. What are you what are you doing? What are you doing with your dick in your hand? But here I am recording, I think. <laughs> I <should double> <laughs> <laughs> You'd be able to get things ready if you stopped having your dick in your hand though. If you work with two hands, I find that things go faster. I would like to check the math on that. Okay. You know what? That's fair. I can't I can't actually substantiate that. Oh, also, I need to turn this off, too. Turn what off? I was watching Succession before I got on the mic. Succession? Yes. There might be a reference to that later today. Really? You've never seen that show, have no, you? No, I haven't. It looks very good. It's great. It's really good. It's, I mean, it's terrible people being awful to other terrible people. Right. It's Seinfeld. <laughs> well, yes, but, like, with billions of dollars. Uh, so Seinfeld in real life. You're talking about the guy who had like a three bedroom apartment in the West Village, right? That's true. Yeah, that's a fair point. But it's good. I, I really like it. It's 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 like it's like a modern Shakespeare. Really. Yeah, but you like this is up. So I'm never going to watch it. I like this is up. That's not what I said. And you can't prove it. <laughs> I am 100 percent sure that's what you said. And I know you're going to ADR it later so that you said it correctly. <laughs> All I have to do is say, this is us, and then I'll just copy and paste it back in. No, I'm never, anytime you say the phrase, this is us, I'm going to speak over top of it so you can't actually take a clean. Except I just did. Nope, I said it too close. You can't even edit it. It's too too close together. You're going to find a way to say a clean version of the word this, a clean version of the word is, and a clean version of the word us throughout the episode. Phil Hartman, RIP, one of my favorite SNL sketches of him is, I think it's him being Charlton Heston. And doing an audiobook of Madonna's autobiography. Yes. Yeah, and there's yeah, yeah. a part where he's like, I don't want to use this word, the P word. I'm not comfortable saying that. He's like, couldn't I just say vagina? And it's Charlton Heston being like, I was looking in a mirror at my vagina. Yes. And the punchline, of course, is that they're like, don't worry. He said push earlier. Yeah. And I'll find a part where he says E and then I'll mash him together. And someone, someone's like, pushy. That's a pushy. That's amazing. <laughs> and he's like, I'll find an S. Yeah. We'll make it work. He's down. Don't worry. He was up. And then he Phil was Hartman. Yeah. He's been down for like 10, 15 years. First of all, it's been longer than that. Secondly, I'm Has talking it? to Sarah. Oh, it's that been. That can't be true. Yes, it is. I'm 100% sure that it's true. Hey, Google. What year did Phil Hartman die? 1998. 14 years ago. 1998? 24 years there ago. There you go, buddy. <laughs> there you go. It's all right. You're, as we've established in this podcast, you're the words guy. I'm the other stuff. That actually isn't what we've established. I'm the math guy. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you you correct my grammar and then I'll just correct you when on when people died. I think I'm also a doctor. <laughs> you're a no, lawyer. I'm a doctor. I Am think I you're a lawyer? lawyer? 
I don't know. Who can, uh, who can tell? It's yeah. not like we record these things or anything. Oh, by the way, actually, for any of the audience that's listening right now, if you are listening to this podcast and you're trying to d- deliver a pizza to Andrew, you're going to have to knock really loudly. All right. <laughs> What's going on with your doorbell? What's happening right now? It's been broken for a long time. I meant to text that to Melinda. Broken, but define long time. Uh, long time like a month or long time like when Hipfell Hartman died? That was only like last week. What are you talking oh, about? Right, we, right. We're having something delivered and it needs to be signed for. And I said, oh, no, that's going to be a problem to Melinda. And she said, why? And I was trying to text her back and say our doorbell doesn't work. But I accidentally texted you. Basically has been broken since we oh, moved in. Oh, is that in. what happened? You, you didn't yes. even mean to send me that? No. Oh, okay. No, I did not. I thought not. it was like an emergency. No. I thought it was something you, because we were no. texting on like when we we're going to get on the call and you were like, no, I know. Hey, my door, our doorbell's broken. And it was like, oh, I guess you Never. have to fix that now. <laughs> I guess you legit like. I was like, maybe I'm he is still waiting, waiting on my pizza, pizza from you. That's a bit we did on this show like a month ago or three months. Or I tried <laughs> to deliver it. I rang the doorbell for like a half an hour and nobody showed up. And I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah. He's clearly punking me. So you're not getting your goddamn pizza anymore. How are you? Uh, if you can hear, I'm not sure if it's coming across. It probably is. I, my voice is a little, a little shot. And I, I've got a still little. Still from COVID? Uh, as a matter of fact, it is. I officially got tested. Yeah, of course. And I officially have COVID. Yep. How is there any question? Oh, there was no question. Really, the question for me was like, did I get it? At the same time when my family had it. Or did you get it from them? Or did I get it from them like a week later? And guess what? It's a week later. Have you had it before? No. Mm-hmm. And I only started eliciting symptoms like earlier this week. And only started believing in it about five days ago. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I saw Phil Hartman had died and I was yeah. like, well, if it can take that guy down, then it can take anyone down. When he dies, it's going to be a real, a real pain. It is. Yeah. So I started feeling like sick and Sarah was like, oh, shit, you probably have COVID. And I was like, well, no, I had that. We just we just got through that. And then I was like, uh, let's take a test and find out. I was going to get tested anyway, because eventually I got to go back to work. And they're probably going to be like, you kind of have to give us a negative test so, for you to go back to work. Especially with you hacking up a lung. Right. And then I started right before I was about to get tested. I started feeling a little ill. And I was like, well, maybe I have a cold. We went out, you know, it's like 20 degrees outside. We went out for a while. Got tested. Nope. Got the COVID. So I was like, all right, so that stuff about, about going back to work, everybody back to their ones, back to the starting gate again. You finally got the Rona. Yeah, I was like two days away from being like, hey, I can go back to work to now going back to like five more days of waiting. Yeah. Also, special announcement. Yeah. Chris Treble has officially made two TikToks. Two TikToks. Can I say something? Yes. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Sarah... Is also proud of me because I made a TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you hear her? Yes. Did you hear that condescending About tone? fucking time. Jesus Finally. fucking Christ, Chris. Wow. God. Wow. Wow. What'd you think of my TikTok? Uh, well, you made two. No, the last one, the Matrix one. Oh, oh it was very good. It got, a, I think it got a lot of. It did pretty good. Yeah, it did. It, I'm pretty it did well right. Yeah. We don't need to put this part in the episode. This is pretty masturbatory. No, we should but listen. I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah, you should listen to us blowing ourselves. What? That we're just talking about how proud we are of our TikToks? Yeah. You want to whip it out and see whose is longer? That's true. Who's TikTok? Listen, at my age, I'm shocked my TikTok still works without a pill. So. She's giving me a look like it doesn't. Oh. Uh, so, uh,
Media Lunch Break bringing you all of your comic geek and movie news. All in the time it takes to eat a good sandwich and pop that Cialis. My name is Chris Treble. Alongside me, as always, is my co-host, the man who puts viral and viral sensation, Andrew Dunn. Say hello, Andrew. Uh, Hi. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I, I like it. I thought you were going to make, I started Vi, and I thought you were going with Viagra after the Cialis thing. Ah, uh, nope. But it's the viral and viral disease. Yeah. Actually, you are putting the viral and viral disease right now. This is very true. Should we get into this? How long have we been yakking away? Eh, it's pretty good Too time. long, as always. Let's get into this. We got Let's some stuff to talk about. Actually, we kind of left last episode on a cliffhanger because we didn't know what we were going to talk about. Yeah. So this week, we were kicking around some things to talk about we were like well maybe the matrix maybe something else and then you texted me and you had a great idea and you said do you want to talk about don't look up that movie on netflix and i was like i do i actually gave you two options and i was yeah, hoping was you were gonna one? say the other one hit monkey oh the show on, on hulu yeah that also keep that in the back pocket we might yeah. talk about that evidently it's very good and got no marketing so yes that's no why one has seen it it's actually why i chose don't look up because i was like i didn't realize that was out same and so i haven't even it got like no marketing whatsoever and i was like i've heard which is so weird after good, didn't modok do pretty well it did pretty well yeah and this is hit monkey i think is one part of those a bunch of those yeah. shows that they had. they announced all at once uh, anime or anime animated Hulu Marvel series. Right. Exactly. So I think this is one, another one of those. So you think they would have marketed that more just consistently. as much. Yeah, yeah. But not so much. But when you said Hitmonkey, I was like, I'm not in the mood for Hitmonkey because I haven't seen jack shit about it. Yeah. But I have seen a lot about Don't Look Up. So I was like, let's watch that. And so we did. And that's how that goes. End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just talk about our TikToks for the rest of the episode? Yeah, and so that's the end of that. And let's get back to talking about what everybody wants to hear about. (laughs) So I watched this movie, and I am assuming that you watched this movie. A lot of people have actually seen this movie. This is actually, I don't think the Golden Globes just got announced. They only got announced because they didn't actually do a ceremony or anything because they're fucking racist. The winners got announced. Yeah. Well, they didn't announce the nominees a while ago, but the winners got announced. Right, right, right. But when you say the Golden Globes have been announced. Yes. (laughs) That they exist. Yeah. (laughs) Which really at this point is a miracle in and of itself. Like actually a servant came out with a trumpet and just announced their presence. and was like, ladies and gentlemen, the Golden Globes. Did this win any Golden Globes? I don't remember. It didn't. But it was nominated. It was nominated for one, two, three, four. For what? Best screenplay. DiCaprio, Lawrence, and Picture. So the ones you would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Not director, though. No, not director. No. But it's getting a lot of awards buzz. Like, it's getting SAG award buzz. It's getting Oscar buzz, that type of thing. So I I was like, you know what? Let's check this out. This is probably going to be on my radar a little bit more in the coming future. So let's talk about this. So let's talk about this. Let's get into it. What did you... What did you... Okay. (laughs) Let me back this up. What did you think about it? I actually really like this. Yeah. Recommend for people to see. I would recommend this. Yeah. Sarah Sarah and I watched it together. She kind of crapped out about... I would say about halfway through. Crapped out meaning left, got fell asleep. Left, yeah, right. she was getting tired and she was like, I'm going to bed. But so it was not enough to keep her interested where she's like, I want to stay up. She's like, <laughs> she's like, not at all. But I really like this. What did you think of this? I uh, The very first note I took is this is the most frustrating movie I've ever watched. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I know that can go either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's frustrating because... Uh, In like a terrible way? Not a terrible way. I lean towards that I liked it. Okay. I think it's an important movie. Yeah. So it's very frustrating to me because it is a mirror being held up to the world that is very difficult to look into. Right. Uh, but I did want to say, I don't know if it is as good of a movie if you take away the current event that it is meant to relate to, but... I don't know that if it isn't a good movie when you take that away, if that makes it a bad movie. You know what I mean? Like like movies that that are pertinent to your everyday life are not bad. I think so. uh, Just very quickly, just because it's not necessarily in the wheelhouse of the people who normally listen to this show. Don't Look Up is a movie on Netflix that stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, among and many, a million many other people. Other people <laughs> where they play scientists who discover a comet is hurtling towards Earth, and in about six months and 14 days, it's going to crash into the Earth and kill everything on the planet. So it's a planet-killing body from space that is about to hurtle its way into the planet, into Earth, and kill everything. And they try and warn president and the government and the news and the media and the people of earth and find them to be frustratingly incompetent and that's pretty much the base that that's pretty much the whole movie from there i would even argue not necessarily incompetent at times just unwilling to see what's in it for them yes I was including that in incompetence, but I understand what you're saying. And yeah, I think to, to now get back onto what you were saying, as far as how this movie would fare, because the comet, it's pretty obvious after a while, especially in the third act, is a parallel for COVID. Oh, do you not feel that? Is that just me? I felt it. I looked it up. It is not. The entire script was written pre-COVID. Really? And Adam McKay was, he was, one of the reasons it took so long to make was not only because of COVID, but because he was trying to decide if he wanted to make this because everyone would think it was about COVID. I thought it was about COVID. It's about climate change. Oh, okay. I could get behind that too. Which is why Leo DiCaprio was involved with it. He, That's true. He, he's like, a big everything he's made guy. in the past like 10 years yeah. has been about climate change. That bear movie is about how the bears will take <laughs> so over if we don't stop climate change. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's made like, a bunch of documentaries Do you see this? and stuff. If we don't stop climate change, the bears are just going to walk up and start eating everyone. You may remember in that movie, he tries to tell, tell the president Tom Hardy about the about bear. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the president doesn't see what's in it for, doesn't see for them. Shit. Yeah. See, I thought it was about COVID. But either way, climate change, COVID, whatever, I see what you're saying as far as like, if that was not an issue in this world, would this movie still have that kind of bite that it does? I think this is going to be one of those movies that I don't want to say that it doesn't age well, but it might not age very gracefully because it is it is very much of this moment because it it is a, a comment on social media as well and technology and who we are as a society and very much who we are as a society right now and so I think this will be a very well-made time capsule. I want to say as well, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted, quote, I finally saw the Netflix film Don't Look Up, a fictional tale of a nation distracted by pop culture and divided on whether to heed dire warnings of scientists. Everything I know about news cycles, talk shows, social media and politics tells me the film was instead a documentary. So it does. It's very obviously it is a, a reflection of how society has has as of late been um very uh um what's the word i'm looking for they've they've been uh very um 
divided. No, like um, about science. They've been very. Um, I know, yeah, I know the word that you're going for. It's going to hit thesaurus. you in the middle of in this about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. In about an hour and a half. <laughs> when we're talking about the reading assignment, you're just going to blurt this word out like some sort of like. Fucking Asperger's or something? No, not Asperger. All time. No, oh I don't know. God. I don't know what I'm oh, even getting into. Good God, Cut Chris! All this how out. many people can you alienate? Let's find out because alienating. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's actually it, but it seems like a good opportunity. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh, we are psychically linked. That's incredible. People have felt very alienated by uh, by science, and they've chosen. Not to heed its warnings. There's a great video in March from March of 2020 of Neil deGrasse Tyson, speak of the devil. He went on um, Colbert's show, The Late Show, I think. He said this is going to be an interesting test. I'm paraphrasing this one, but he said the test is going to be whether or not we listen to science. And we failed the test. Right. So I say that to say that there are very obvious parallels that to COVID that make it very obvious as to why you would expect that this movie is about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I, I think this is going to be one of those movies that when you look, if you look at it 10 years from now, you're, you'll appreciate the artistry of the direction and the, the performances and things like that. But as far as the biting satire that this is, you are you have to look at this through a lens of like this was very much in this moment. And this let is me ask the- you a question as well. Sort of moving on from this. Did you find this movie like particularly funny? You know what I kind of liked about it once I settled into the tone of it was it is not what you think that it's going to be. If you watch the trailers for this. You think this is going to be a very different movie, tonally. Uh, would you say almost an Edgar Wright style? Yeah. Quick cuts. Because when I saw it, like everything was to like a rhythm, right. like in the trailer. And there's like sound effects that change the scene and everything shifts in a certain way. You would have uh, you would have thought this was an Adam McKay movie, like of old school. Uh, not of old school, of old his. Oh, oh. not the movie <laughs> okay. old school. I meant like one of his old a, films. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, closer towards like not quite Anchorman and Talladega Nights days, but like closer towards yeah. that than say Big Short. Right, right. Uh, you it got the feeling of like a broad, a much broader movie. But then you watch this and you're like, it's not that because there are some points that are like rough to watch. This feels a lot like a Coen Brothers film to me. Yeah, I could get behind to that. Where the jokes are there. Yes. But they're very heavy. Yes. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. And a lot of them are very hidden. Yes. I'll get into probably my favorite joke uh when we start talking spoilers, but there is a joke that if you are the type of person that this movie is clearly pointing out in a negative way, right. many of the jokes will be missed. Right. Right, right, right. So yeah, I think but I also think it's a it's a brilliant move to use the main thrust of this movie, which is a comet hurtling towards Earth, to talk about anything except the main thrust of this movie, which is a comet hurtling towards us. Like it is not that that's the that's the kind of MacGuffin of the whole thing. But they're not using that idea. I mean, he ta- he said that it's about climate change and that's what the comet is. But for the most part, it's not just a straightforward or forward movie 
that is about climate change. It's about social media. It's about the media. It's about relationships. It's about our society. You know what I mean? It's about politics. And they're just using this as it could be anything. It could be a comet hurling towards Earth. It could be aliens. It could be a volcano. It doesn't matter. Like they're just using that as a means to an end to talk about all this other stuff that's surround it, which I think is a, a really brilliant move. Fun fact. Do you know what killed the dinosaurs? What's that? Climate change. Yeah. That's a true thing. Did you know that? No. It was caused by a giant meteor, meteor. crashing into well, the, yes, the but Earth. They ju- but yes. what actually killed the dinosaurs was like the fallout of the yes. climate changing, yeah, yeah. which led to the Ice Age. Yeah. Well, when a <laughs> giant rock hits the planet, it'll change yeah, the climate. Just for a, sure. Just a skosh. Just a teensy little bit. Yeah. Let's get into spoilers and, th- and some other stuff. All right. Stuff. Let's do it. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> can I just point out the president who played by Meryl Streep? Fantastic. Yeah. There's not really a bad performance in this, I think. No. Jonah Hill is like... He kills it. ...on fire this whole movie. Most of his lines are are improvised. Uh, You can tell. They're very Jonah Hill. And uh, the chemistry between Jonah Hill and Jennifer Lawrence... Yes. ...is awesome. Almost all of their lines together were improvised. Oh, clearly. Yeah. By the way, can I just say... I'm going to skip around just because... Since we're talking about improvising, all right... Of all the people Adam McKay has ever directed, of all the improvisers this guy has ever worked with, and he's worked with the best. I mean, he's direct, he directed Anchorman, he worked with Paul Rudd, Will Ferrell, Jonah Hill. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Who would have thought that the greatest of all of the improvisers he's ever worked with is Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah. Because that song... I saw that, too. ...is improvised. The second verses. Yes. She, that was the first take of her doing that, and it was basically like a practice take Yeah, to just get the track down, and she just started improvising all those lyrics, and they're fucking gold. Like, yeah. I want All the parts about, like, get up off your ass. Yes. The shit, you know, the shit box media. TV or whatever. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the best. It It's possibly the best part of the movie. It's really, she comes on and she's like, that song just gets better and better as it goes. And that actually, so that is an example of, like, if you're not really paying attention to the film, that, that might not get through to you and it might not be a joke that you connect with. Yeah. The one I was actually referencing earlier is when Meryl Streep says... Something like, hey, you know, the grownups are in charge now, you know, sit down to Leonardo DiCaprio. And she lights a cigarette in front of a giant sign that says flammable. (laughs) I don't know. Did you even catch the flammable sign? I think I missed the flammable sign because I was too busy laughing at the fact that she is. She's right in the corner lighting up a cigarette. And on the uh, the other two thirds of the screen is an out of focus sign that says flammable. I think I was at that point writing a note because the other thing that's in her office that I love is a is the portrait of Nixon. Oh, well, the, all the presidents like, are there. All the presidents to feature in your office. Well, they're all there. I mean, Andrew Jackson is also shown, which is another one. Is it, yes, <laughs> but I just love... I was like prominently displayed was Nixon. I actually have a, a quote from Adam McKay that I, I love. Uh, I want to point out that uh, Adam McKay tried to put the auras of various past presidents into Meryl Streep's character. He said, quote... 
I took a little bit from each. So you have the kind of performative empty suit of Reagan. You have the used car salesman of Bill Clinton. You have the dangerously underqualified George W. Bush. And then you have Barack Obama, awfully smooth and cozy with big money. And of course, Trump's run amok narcissism. She's it's all evident, right? It's all amazing. Yeah. Can I tell you a little bit about the cast who's in this? Yes, yes, yes. Please name some of these names. I'm just going to like run off the list of cast members of actors and then give you my favorite piece of trivia about it. Yes. So the cast includes Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, Michael Chiklis, Liev Schreiber, Sarah Silverman, and Chris Evans. Some of those you may not have noticed in the film. Yes. But my favorite piece of trivia about this film is between all of those actors... They have 41 Academy Award nominations and eight wins between them, which sounds impressive until you take into consideration that half of that is just Meryl Streep. Yep. It's just, yeah. Which is not a joke. Nope. It is it's half not Meryl Streep. I did the math. Yes. She has 20 nominations and three or 21 nominations and, and three, three wins. wins. Yes. She yeah. is half of them. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's a thing. That's pretty cool. I read, I haven't confirmed it, it holds the record for the most nominations and wins of Academy Awards held among cast members of a single Well, uh, But the problem film. is, any, now anytime Meryl Streep is in a movie, that's pretty much all right. it is. Yeah, she adds half of it. Yeah. Did you see the article about how um, Jonah Hill kept calling her the goat? Yes. I didn't see an article about it, but I did. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, told that story yeah, on a, yeah, a talk yeah, she's show. She's told it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah and, because he kept calling her the goat and she didn't know what goat meant. And I think Jennifer Lawrence was the one who told Lawrence her. had to explain to her, <laughs> yeah. like, he's not insulting yeah. you. It means greatest of all time. Because Meryl Streep was, like, taking it in stride of, like, I guess he doesn't like me. And, like, you know, I mean, I'm not the you know prettiest person in the world. Or <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence was like, he's calling you the greatest of all time. And she's like, oh, okay. It's an enormous thanks. compliment. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was still insulted. Not good enough. Yeah. No. You got to call me something better than that. I don't know what's better than that, but you got to call me something better than that. Because she found out that they also call that to Tom Brady. And she's like, you can't make up something original just <laughs> for me. The greatest of all time. Uh, I mean, Chris Evans is probably. Did you recognize him? It took a second. Yeah, me too. I was as soon as he started talking, I was like, I know this guy. I know. That's what I did, too. I was like, I know that voice because he's covered and he's got like a hat and big sunglasses and a beard. And I was like, I know and he's who got that like is. black hair and everything. I was like, yeah. I know this person. Uh, it took a second. And then I was like, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. I was like, is that Chris Evans? I'm pretty, I had to look it up later, but I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Chris Evans. Did you catch Liev Schreiber? I was wondering, who is Liev Schreiber in this? So he is uh, uh, the voice of Bash. Is he really? So like whenever you hear the phone or like the, at the, there's the like whole conference at the yes. beginning, the convention, I, he's I, talking I, I, throughout. Can I say something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Mark Rylance is disturbingly good in this. I love that man. I wish they would let him play a different character from time to time because he's played this character in the last like four movies he's been in. Yeah, because he, what was, I'm trying to think we've seen this. Oh, oh, it was Ready Player One. This yeah, well, and also his. I haven't seen this film, but uh, a, not to look up, I've seen that one, but uh, I have seen a criticism of his performance in this movie, that same criticism, but they named off like four or five movies. And one of them was... Um, the Tom Hanks one he won an Oscar for. Bridge of Spies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was the same character. I don't think it was. The, I've seen it. It's not I don't the know. Same. They were saying the same, like, quirky, uh, oddball genius type. Yeah, but the, that guy was a little more centered. That guy was a little more like a real person. The last two were... 
I mean, but also I will say in Ready Player One, he plays an eccentric Steve Jobs like genius. And in this one, he plays an eccentric Steve Jobs like genius. So it's virtually the same character. Like if you watch them side by side, there's only so much you can go there. I know. You know, I would encourage everyone, if you're not familiar with Mark Rylance, look up his performance of Richard II. There's a bunch of clips of it on YouTube. And even if you're not a Shakespeare fan, just watch that. It's fucking brilliant. If you wanted some good stuff of Mark Rylance, just look up his Tony Award speeches when Oh, my God. Tony. They're so good. They, he, he does some sort of weird piece of poetry. And without talking about uh, who wrote it, he doesn't say this no, is a poem I like. He just gets up and starts talking like it's like it's a thing he wrote himself like it's his speech. Yeah. And it was the one I forget which one it was. It was something it's some poem about running through walls. Yeah, that's the one specifically I remember. It's a manual for how to walk, walk through, through walls. walls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I was going to say as well, if you want to look up something great Mark Rylance has been, just been to Pornhub.com. Yes. And, and just uh, type I don't his know. name right I in there and you will find. <laughs> I wonder what comes up. Oh, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> You're going to find some things not only about Mark Rylance, but about yourself. If you uh, right. type his name into it's Pornhub. It's like Rick Santorum. Yes. Oh, you search it. Uh, search both those names at the same time. Can I tell you as well? Yes. Jonah Hill was quoted as saying his inspiration for his character. He said he was going for, quote, fire festival as a human being. I'm laughing, one, because it's a great line. And two, because now that you said it, it clicks Perfect. Perfect sense. A hundred percent. Dead on, right? And he is the human embodiment of the fire Festival. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that we're talking about, we were talking earlier in the episode about us doing TikTok, because basically, Jonah Hill's character is what made me... Oh, yeah. Apprehensions about going on TikTok because I just <laughs> like that's the type of person that yeah. I always think of with any sort of social media. So when people are like, why aren't you on social media? I'm like, that's he's the there. guy. Like, that's it. There's like a bazillion of that guy. And that's it's what the you, fire festival of the Internet. Because it's the fire festival of the Internet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, I'm so glad that he put this into like a human being I can look at and reference now. It makes my life so much easier. Would you like some? other trivia yes, about this film? let's go into this. Oh, wait, actually, I have an actual film question to ask you. How do you feel about the editing on this? I know that's a about really... six and a half inch. Oh, what? What, were you, what was your question? The editing? Yeah, because it was, it was, I thought it was an interesting, the editing, it was, it, and the pace, it, there was kind of like a frenetic pace to this. They were constantly like intercut scenes, so it's never like, here's the scene where we talk about the plan, and then here's the scene where we execute the plan. It was a lot of times simultaneously done it's something that i caught on because a lot of times comedies are shot very wide and you want to shoot and you want to shoot them kind of still because you want the jokes to just kind of play out and land whereas this this was shot very close is very the editing the cuts were very quick and around i sort of disagree with that to an extent i think a lot of it adam mckay had a quote about the editor on this and about how he did a great job with the film and he was talking about specific things that the editor did and i remember some of it was on Leo DiCaprio was about like capturing stuff with him, which might have been the like close up. Because that's what I was going to say. What's very interesting about this film is that the sort of cringy performances within the performance, Mm -hmm. say, for example, uh, the president who is like clearly putting on an act, her son who is clearly putting on an act, the head of Bash, Mark Rylance, who is clearly putting on an act. These characters tend to be shot very wide, so you can see their performative nature. Right, right, right. When you see the reactions 
to their performances, those tend to be very, very close. Yeah. So you can really get a feel for what the character is experiencing as opposed to getting a feel for what the character is performing. Right. Which I found interesting because, like I said, a lot of times in a comedy, you'll you'll just put the camera back on everybody. Right. You know what I mean? You'll let the scene kind of just play out. But this also has a very for having such a an enormous cast of celebrities. It also has many very small scenes yeah. that take place in a room with like three people. And they're quick. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not these long, like we have a scene where we talk about the plan and we let the, you know, we shoot that wide and we let it just kind of play out. And then we show the plan being done. Like for instance, them on the ship, when they're talking about like, here's the plan for how we're going to destroy the comet. They have that meeting as they're talking about, Here's who we're going to get. This is what we're going to do. Right. We're going to get Ron Perlman for this thing. And they're talking about this guy as he's coming out and they're kind of intercutting between two time periods, which was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting that they that's not something that would you know again when I think of like, say, more closer towards a Talladega Nights or an Anchorman, what this movie was marketed to be. That's not what I was expecting. Very interesting, too, because uh, I've also heard I also have not seen. I really want to see. What was the last movie he made? Vice. What was the movie before that that he made? The Big Short. The Big Short. That's, That's the one. The one I, also, I really wanted to see Vice in theaters and I didn't end up having the time. I haven't seen Vice. I have seen I'd The really Big Short. Like and this is close. To, this is don't look up. I would say if anyone is kind of curious about this, I would say actually it's more like a happy medium between the two The two Adam McKay's. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, one of the things I was going to say is that uh, speaking of the editing, you know, there's an interesting thing with this movie where it keeps reminding you that we are one of many beings on this planet. And yet we are responsible for all of them because we are the beings that are able to put an end to this and we're choosing not to. Right. And it does this by intercutting imagery of either other races or other animals just sort of doing their thing. Just nature, basically. Frequently, like every maybe 20 minutes, there's just like a bunch of clips of just nature or people going about their lives. Whereas in the big short, I'm told, because I still haven't seen it, that film is edited very similarly, but those scenes that are intercut are of um, consumerism and of like McDonald's commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, the new iPhone and stuff like that um, constantly being shoved at you to show you how the world is ignoring this horrible thing that's about to happen. Right, right. Yeah, it also gives you a sense of uh, you as the viewer, kind of a sense of scale. Like these people are so again, a lot of this movie is about how we are so wrapped up as a society and really as a civilization in ourselves because of things like the internet and social media and things like that. It's very easy to get so so insular and in our own bubble. Right. And when you, as the viewer are now sitting on the outside, watching this, this satire about it, when they, he cuts to those images of people around the world or a young baby or, you know, hippos or, you know, hummingbirds or nature, things like that. It gives you a sense of like, not only just that we're the ones who are responsible for this planet, but just the fact that we are like, we're just a part of this. We're not the thing that we that we think that we are. We're not the end all and be all. We are just another thing that's on this planet. And I think in some ways it almost gives it a sense of like catharsis or peace in the idea of like, well, if this comet's going to hit this earth. Just nature. Like, we're just on this thing, and it's on this thing, and it's on the path to hit this other thing. Yeah, it is sort of a double-edged sword. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, 
that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And there's nothing, you know, that's, that's what it is. We are not that important that we should be spared or not spared. You know, it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You want some trivia? Yeah. Give me some trivia. The new bash phone is named bash 14, three in the Bible. John 14, three is about the rapture and it's about God saving a chosen few by taking them from earth to heaven, which tech God, Peter Isherwell does at the end of the film. Yes. Also, I love that the phone can predict people's death. Even if they die by the <laughs> by the hands of something that doesn't exist. By the alien. Yeah. However, if you notice, I mean, now chances are he was lying about this, but he's wrong about Leonardo DiCaprio. He does not die alone. He says it's a 90 something percent chance. chance. Yeah. The QR code for the Just Look Up concert takes you to the YouTube video of Ariana Grande's performance for that movie. And the Bash helpline number is a sex hotline. Is it really? Yes. When Leonardo DiCaprio does the commercial and he's like, are you having sad thoughts about the comet coming down? Call this helpline and, and we're going to take care of you. It's a sex hotline. And you know this because you verify this uh, several times. Oh, I, I have it memorized. You had it. You're like, I have that. That's on speed dial. Yeah. Remember when you watched Chris Evans and you were like, I recognize that voice. I heard that number and I was like, I recognize, I recognize that, that number. number. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I was like, oh, it's in my Rolodex. I thought I dated myself <laughs> with the word speed dial. <laughs> wow. Rolodex. Uh, and my my last uh, last piece of trivia is that uh, for this movie, Netflix brought in internationally acclaimed astronomer Brian Cox not the guy from Succession, but the astronomer. Could be. To talk about the science behind the film, and he confirmed it's mostly accurate. McKay had brought in Professor... Oh, this is going to be so hard. Jeremy Strong. McKay had brought in Professor in the Lunar and Planetary Lab at the University of Arizona and Principal Investigator for NASA's Near-Earth Object Wide Field Infrared Survey, Dr. Amy Mainzer, to act as Comet Consultant on the film. Just the fact that you have the title Comet Consultant is fantastic. I know that was her That's, title. I would put I would make so many business cards. And evidently she did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The science of this is mostly pretty sound. That somehow does not surprise. I mean just listening to it I was like I will say the only part of this that is not sound is that we know for a fact as of I think like four or five years ago. It's pretty new, but we do know for a fact that there are no planet killing anythings on their way to us. So far. No, no, we do know that. We know that there uh, aren't. We can see. I mean, I don't want to get into too much of it, but if you really want to blow your fucking mind, if anyone's listening to this high out of their mind, <laughs> skip ahead. Wait. But like we can. Hold lo- on. I think it's easier to just say if anyone's not listening to this high out of their minds. What are you here for? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really here? sure what's going but on. But if you. So we have telescopes now that are so powerful that when we look out into space, they're like the reason we can't see further is not because how of how weak our telescopes are, but instead because the further you look out light years away, we can look out 14 billion light years from now, but it stops. And that's because when you get to that point, you're looking at the the beginning of the universe, the creation of the universe, because it takes 14 billion light years for light to travel that far. So what we're looking at by the time it gets to our telescope is the creation of the universe. And we can't see further than that because that's the beginning. There's nothing beyond that. I hope you weren't high when I told you that. (laughs) You are now. Extremely. Can I tell you something else I noticed that's kind of related to that? Sure. 
Leonardo DiCaprio is crushing that Michigan dialect. Absolutely killing it on that mm. one. Oh, Oh, I listen. I disagree. You disagree with yourself because I haven't said anything. I disagree with your facial expression and your simple. Mm, <laughs> I disagree wholeheartedly. I know you do because you weren't raised in that area. It's fine. When it opened, I was like, yeah, all right. He's he's doing pretty good. But the more that the movie went on, the more it is like nearly Canadian, like almost Wisconsin-esque. Oh, no, sir. Listen, my in-laws are exactly like that and they lived in a an urban area like uh, where michigan state is no but he also doesn't seem to live in an urban area i don't think that's true i think he does hold on a second sarah we're gonna get it we're gonna get an expert here you're gonna for real expert would you describe lansing as an urban area of michigan it's the capital no i don't think so okay question two leonardo dicaprio's michigan accent accurate good bad <laughs> Like your dad or like your dad? It was good. I mean, I don't think we have an accent in Michigan, so it was perfect. <laughs> you people are fucking insane. No, I mean, you have an accent. No, you're all insane. No, y'all sound like a bunch of puck suckers. His accent is, he, he sounds like somebody doing an impression. Of my father-in-law. Maybe, but that's sort of what I mean. He's doing an impression. Again, at the beginning, I was like, wow, he's really going for that. But it is a little too like, oh, don't you know? Oh, golly gee. Um, he says gosh, like all the time. I don't know a single person from Michigan who says gosh. Like he's like, oh, gosh, I will say I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say gosh. They usually say gun. That's what they say. <laughs> they usually say COVID's fake. <laughs> yeah, I think they mean to say gosh, but they but what they're saying is take off your fucking mask. <laughs> That's how it comes out. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the post credit scenes? Yeah, let's talk about the post credit scenes. So the first post credit scene, yes. if we may proceed. Yes, we may. The first post credit scene is the shittiest members of humanity off to continue the planet destroying cycle that they started. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, let me did you did we need other than to fulfill the foreshadowing of that other joke about how Meryl Streep dies, which as soon as he said, we don't know what it is. I was like, oh, it's an alien. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Uh, see, I saw it. Coming I just up. laughed and I thought that was a funny joke. And then I, I was on. like, ah, they're going to pay that off. And, I assumed and, it was because he was going to be wrong about everything. I was like, nah, they're going to pay that off. It's there's, something's going to happen. I honestly thought and this could have been a weird left turn. But like they were going to bust open the asteroid and then aliens were going to come out. And right, then I was right, like, right. that's the thing. And then as soon as they landed on the planet, I was like, she's going to get eaten by this thing. And uh, the second post credit scene is uh, it's OK because Jonah Hill survives. <laughs> yeah. Did did we need a post credit scene on this movie? I actually was expecting that during the credits, we were going to see the ship try to take off and like be creamed by the comet. That's what I thought was going to happen. I, that's what I, I thought, at least during the I was fine with the ship taking off during the credits. I was right. like, oh, this is and I but I thought that was going to be the end result is like directed by Adam McKay. Because these people are so incompetent and it blows up. But this they get right. Cryogenic freezing for twenty two thousand years. They, yeah, get, they right. get right. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the post credit scenes, but I, I at the same fine. time, I was like. Do we need these? I'm glad they gave Jonah Hill his own thing. That was, that was fun. fine. Yeah, that was good. It makes no sense, but I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Go with it. It's fun. Overall, recommend, not recommend. Yeah, recommend. I haven't seen enough of Adam McKay's films. I would like to see Vice and The Big Short. How do you rank it among those three films? Because they are very different than his like comedies. 
I have not seen Vice. So that one's the best one or the worst one. It's been a while since I've seen The Big Short. I think this one I like better than The Big Short for two reasons. One, The Big Short, because of the it's based on a on actual events and actual events that I am way too dumb to really understand the nuance of. Same with Vice. Um, That's why I wanted to. Right. That I was like, okay, I, I. understand i see where some of this is funny i see where some of this is dramatic but like the details of what they're talking about sometimes just kind of washed over me whereas this because even though science is all accurate they're just making this up i can follow along with this and i think this is also a happy meeting between kind of old adam mckay and this adam mckay between anchorman adam mckay and big short adam mckay to his between his two senses of of humor and his two kind of styles of directing. I think this is a good marriage of the two. So I think this comes together really well and gels together really well. So I think this one probably for those who reason beats out the big short. I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limo and say, I'd probably feel the same way about vice as well, that this beats out vice by a little bit. Do you know that he, Adam McKay has like a disease that gives him horrible tremors? No. What? I was watching interviews with Adam McKay and I was like, does he have Parkinson's? Because he's shaking and it's hard for him to talk. And I looked it up and he doesn't have Parkinson's. He has, uh, which by the way, Parkinson's, the shaking you see of people who have that is from the medication they take. Parkinson's actually like slowly puts you into a coma. Mm -hmm. So like the medication you take just like sort of vibrates you into not being in a coma. And uh, he has something called essential tremors, I think it said. Well, I mean... As long as they're essential. But. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You want to talk about Daredevil? You want to talk Let's about the reading assignment? That. Let's go on to the reading assignment. Yeah. Right. Still need a theme. I can't. I know. You know what I mean? Feels It feels weird. So you gave me the first volume of Brian Michael Bendis writing Daredevil. Yeah. It's basically, there's no real catchy title to it. It's just. No, yeah. Daredevil kind of by threw Brian me off, Michael Because you kept asking yeah. me, like, what's the name of this thing again? And I kept being like, it doesn't have one, man. It doesn't have one. It's a massive volume. Yeah. His first run. So Brian Michael Bendis did 55 total issues of Daredevil uh, from 2001 to 2006. Brian Michael Bendis is big name in, in comics. He's probably... No, we did Brian K. Vaughn. He's probably... I mean, he'll be one of the ones we should get around to doing, like, a... Like a spotlight on. Yeah. Because he's worked for the big two. Something to note just because it's going to be coming up on Disney Plus is he wrote a run called Secret War for Marvel, which is a prelude to Secret Invasion, which is going to be adapted for Disney Plus. And he just got done not too long ago, maybe a few months ago. We're doing a run on Superman, starting with like one action comics, 1000 and then did. I forget how long he was on that for a while, but it was pretty good. Very talented guy is what I'm saying. saying. He's done a couple things. He's been around. He's a little green is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This uh, was really, really good. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. I knew this was going to be up your alley. Yeah, this is really great. Did you finish it? I did. I got through the whole thing. It's long, but it it does breeze through pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and I knew you were going to like at least the first. You can break this comic up. It's in like four parts. Yeah. And I knew you were going to like the first Ben Urich journalism part. It, it is very reminiscent to me of the other history of the DC universe. Oh, it's yeah. It's sort of monologue-y. It it's, a, it's a story about a man trying to figure something out yes. internally. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. And I think it's really interesting that this is his like essentially first issue 
coming into Daredevil. Yeah. Before he starts his long arc that that for some reason, and he decides, before he starts talking about Daredevil, <laughs> Daredevil isn't even the main character in the first section. No, this is because this is a, how many issues is that first? I think it's like two no or idea. three. It's a hundred pages. Yeah. They're all broken out into roughly a hundred pages. Yeah, yeah. But it's a really interesting first arc, which is basically Ben Yurick is trying to figure out this. There's a kid who is kind of almost going through the motions and going through the dialogue and it's bad dialogue. It's like, you know, typical old school comic book dialogue of like what is going on between Daredevil and a fight uh, between Daredevil and what is the what is the The leapfrog leapfrog? Thank you. Uh, I was like, it's some terrible stupid it's, yeah it's like you'll never stop me hornhead. yeah like you know and things like that which i almost was i did get a chance to look up but i was almost tempted to see is this actual dialogue from an actual daredevil comic which would not surprise me the thing i love the most about this story arc honestly is the artwork alex malieve for this it's all bright watercolors that are that have no sharp edges it's all very smooth and nothing stays in the lines. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really done. And it works really well for the type of story that's being told as well. Yeah. And then it moves on to, I don't want to say it's a simple storyline, but it's it's pretty straight to the point, which is new mob boss kind of comes in and is like, why the fuck are we all listening to the kingpin? He's not even part of the mob. You guys are just letting him take over. And everyone's like, well, you don't touch the kingpin. And he's like... Well, that's stupid. <laughs> he's like, but why not? He's like, but why not? There's five of us and there's one of him. And he's fucking blind. And he's blind <laughs> now. And so they take him out. And basically from there, they're like, all this stuff that the Kingpin said is like off limits just because he's the Kingpin. He's like, this is stupid. It's not off limits. You know who Daredevil is? This guy comes in and Donald Trump's everything. <laughs> he pretty much does. And then reveals Daredevil's identity. I remember when this this storyline was going on. I wasn't reading Marvel, but I, I remember seeing the covers for it. I remember hearing because it was big news that they were releasing Daredevil's identity to the public. And it is one of those storylines where like this guy comes in and he seems a little over the top and he seems kind of like, oh, this is the type of guy who's going to come and talk really big and the Kingpin's going to kill him very quickly. And he pulls it off and because all the points he makes, I'm like, Actually, they're solid points. Like, what the fuck? You know, why would why would anyone put up with the Kingpin doing that? He knows who Daredevil is. And he's just like, I'll tell people, but you can't touch him. And they're like, why? And he's like, because I said so. And the guy's just like, that's a stupid reason. That's a stupid reason to do anything. (laughs) And I, I found it. I think I found it refreshing because it also then just kind of pokes holes into the idea of comics and like into the idea of like, what we accept to be fact in comics. Just because we're used to it. Just because we're used to it. The tropes of comics is is the word I'm looking for. It pokes holes into all of the tropes of comic books and superheroes through this one character and kind of takes them and, and really, and I hesitate to use this term because it's overused, but it it really is as if like a real life mobster walked into the MCU because a real life mobster would be like, are you all fucking stupid? This is ridiculous. <laughs> you got to know who this guy is. Yeah. You go after him, you take him out. This guy knows who the other guy is and didn't do any of this stuff. And it makes and you has the power to and has the power to do it and just decided not to do it. This guy makes you pay for the, this guy isn't part of the mob and he runs the city and we're the mob. Yeah, no, 
we're the mob. We win. There's five of us. There's one of him. We go in. We take him out. Bing, bang, boom. We're done. That's it. And he pulls it off, which I, I also found refreshing. It isn't one of those things where it's like you watch for four issues. This guy talk big and then the kingpin comes in in three panels and just takes this guy out. And then it pivots, which, I, again, I like. I don't know if this is just the fact that this is how they separated the volumes out or whatever. But I like that they they kind of com- these three runs work together very well as almost like a full storyline, because then it's. It pivots, so they they release. By the way, spoilers for this I volume know. that is like <laughs> twenty years old. But, but I, I'll actually, before we do that, I I don't want to ruin. There is a very big spoiler at the end of this fourth chapter uh, that I would like to not ruin. Right, right, yeah. the very last that I will not I will not talk about. Yeah, you're talking. I'm gonna just do hand motions. For no, to make sure then, I'm yes, about, that part, the, but then the people okay, watching on Patreon are going to be spoiled. But they don't know what that That's is. That's true. I'm just saying. That, <laughs> That's uh, your new TikTok dance. He's doing the dance now for anyone. I'm who's, doing the dance yeah. now. Let's get intimate on Patreon. Yeah. You can see it for yourself. But then it pivots. So it pivots into a trial and they have to address the idea that his identity has been released and he's fighting it. But, he, you know, make that a part of the trial is essentially part of it which I, I again i really like it's this kind of stacking that that is going on throughout the entire series that bendis does really well of like i'm not going to get done with a run and then we'll kind of deal with the aftermath no it is a constant building block it is this happens then this happens it's actually great character work as well because you think about um like in acting you're taught to be like okay you're playing hamlet work in the fact that you know your dad is dead right and then on top of that you're pretty sure your uncle killed him and then on top of that, your uncle just married your mother. Right. And then on top of that, the girl you're in love with just killed herself. Right. And, and you have all these different things going on at once. And how does each one affect your character differently depending on what is said to you? Exactly. And leads to how you react with what you say and do. And there's a lot of that in this book. Yeah. There's no kind of we end a run with a catharsis. Right. I read a lot of Batman and a lot of times Batman runs tend to do that where it's this big detective story and then it ends with this big battle and then it ends and then the next there's a nice button on it there's a nice button on it and then it, the new writer comes in and deals with like whatever right his whatever they is. want to deal with exactly yeah. <laughs> and they draw from the you know they have to pick up the character where it was left off but right. then they kind of continue on but this bendis does this great job of like no we got done with this arc and he's right here and now not only we don't button it, we're just going to build on top of that and just make this big house. Yeah. Which is it was fantastic. Also, the, there's a monologue that Foggy gives like right in the middle of Daredevil's identity being revealed. That is one of the probably the best monologue I've ever read in a comic book, because I was like, this is, you know, damn good writing, which let's not get you know, be mistaken. Brian Michael Bendis can write, but like I was reading this and I was like, this is like, I mean, something out of a screenplay or like a novel or something like that monologue. Yeah. It's like, it's also great for the character. It it's is. not like when you say it's great writing, it's not particularly flowery. It's not no. uh, particularly bright. It's not smart. Like it's not an intelligent monologue, No, but it is true to the character. Right. And, um, very good at getting across. And it cuts to the quick. Yes, it gets across what he 
is feeling what he wants. Right. I know exactly what you're talking about and, oh uh, and who he is as a person. Yeah, exactly. And his relationship to his friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's fantastic. That alone is just reading that one monologue and you, you'll know it when you hit it. Just reading that one monologue alone is worth picking this up for. Yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to add about it? Is there is there anything that sparked the idea to, to give me this now? Oh, yeah, for sure. That we we have Daredevil back and that it's Charlie Cox. I, I wanted to give it to you like two or three ago, but then we kept, you know, we kept pushing it off for other stuff. But the I, the main thing was that I I had started reading this and never finished it maybe six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. I read like the first arc, I think, the journalism one. Right. And uh, I knew that it was a very good Daredevil story, and I knew that Daredevil became a prominent figure in the later arcs. And I was like, you know, I, I think that you would in particular like this journalism arc. Yeah. This is one of the best Daredevil stories supposedly ever written. Right. So I would like an excuse to finish reading it. I think you would really like it. And it's Daredevil. He's back, baby. Yeah. He's back. I would. We got him. There's so much of this that they can draw from in, yeah. in later, you know movies television whatever they're going to do with daredevil there's so much from this i would be shocked if they're not going to draw at least yeah. a little something from this especially knowing that they're getting into courtroom right dramas with she hulk right this is a perfect opportunity to do something like this yeah echo i mean i one of the rumors about the new echo series is that kingpin is going to be blind so i wouldn't be surprised if they draw maybe a little bit from this and then kind of supplant it right well, into echo, echo was originally a daredevil, a daredevil character yeah, yeah i know but yeah, I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, so the first volume of Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis, definitely go out and check it out. I'm told as well the second and third volumes are just as good, if not better. If I have some sort of time, yeah. I do want to try and check it out. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to have that much time this week because I have a reading assignment for you. And this is actually one I have not read as well. And I'm using you to make me read it. This is a new series that came out recently from Boom Comics, and it is called Berserker, and it's written by Keanu Reeves. It sure is, and stars him. And star, the Fred stars him as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see it from like the first cover. You're like, that's Keanu Reeves writing Keanu Reeves and having someone draw Keanu Reeves. And the artist that he hired also snuck in a Keanu Reeves meme into the book. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And I'll let you discover that for yourself. (laughs) But I figured I myself, for some reason, found myself going on some sort of own, my very own personal keanu because I, I ended up watching all the John Wick movies about a month ago. Oh, I said that you're going to see the Matrix movies and I was going to be like, really? I couldn't tell based on your TikToks. And I just watched the Matrix as well. So I was like, ah, you know what? Let's let's round this out yeah. and get into Berserker, which I've heard decent Have you ever seen about. his version of uh, whatever that Shakespeare movie he was in? Was? His, seen his what? Of the- Much Ado. I uh, he's awful in it. Yes, he's so bad. He's the weakest link by far. I think he knows that he's the weakest link. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what his agent was thinking, but uh, a gig's a gig is a gig is a gig. So that might have been him. That might have been him being like, listen, I'm a young guy. I'm an actor and I'm going to try this. I'm offered this and I want to stretch and see if I can do this. So let's give it a shot. He did it as Bill Esquire. (laughs) Yeah, basically. There's literally a line where he like spits in a guy's face. And goes, I do laugh at your misfortune. 
I'm definitely going to check this out now. Oh my God. But yeah, so this is, it is six issues. I found six issues. I believe that's the whole, at least maybe like the first run. I've heard good things about this. And are they right about it? I don't know. Find out in two weeks. Also, there's no vowels in the title. So don't let that really. Yeah. Berserker is spelled B-R-Z-R-K-R. How am I supposed to trust this guy if he can't even spell? I mean... How do you even know that's what it's called? How do you know it's not... <laughs> You're right. You know what? You're absolutely right. You know what this is about? Uh, super soldier? I'm not sure. A berserker? I, I think it's some sort of super soldier storyline. Cool. Or I'm gonna... Or right now someone who has read Berserker is listening to this and be like, You fucking more. There's not even close to what that's about. And I hope... And pray to God that that's happening right now. It's about a giant comet heading towards Earth and no one will do anything about it. We can only hope. So, yeah. So there you go. There it is. That, sir, is about it. Excellent. I believe. Well, I'm just going to get out. You want to get out now? And I'll see you. Yeah, I'll see you next time. Yeah, cool. I'll see you in a, uh, I'll talk to you soon, too. In a week. Um, Yeah. We'll talk about the news. Uh, That's uh, right. And then then after that, it'll be... um, who knows what it'll hit be? Monkey. Oh yeah, well, probably it'll be Hit Monkey because we <laughs> know, won't be we'll able see. to think of something else. Or the else. Matrix. Or, or <laughs> the, the Matrix. Who knows? Who knows? Or we'll just talk about our TikTok some more. We could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, wait, hold on. What's that? You know what, uh, Andrew? Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Where can they find us? Well, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. We're also on SoundCloud.com slash The Media Lunch Break. If you want to listen to our episodes just a little bit earlier than they go out on other places, that's our hosting site. So if you follow us there, it goes up right away. Of course, also... Well, I'll get to that later. But you can also follow, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Media Lunch Break. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, right? YouTube.com slash The Media Lunch Break. We're putting out some videos there every now and then. You can also find us on TikTok, where our handle is at The Media Lunch Break, where we're actually putting out videos again. We're doing we're doing some good stuff, actually. Right? Where uh, Chris, I now have a vendetta against him. Because uh, he put out a video that got a lot of views. It did. I was surprised. Which means I have to put out a video that gets even more views. I'm going to have to show my TikTok. True. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to have to start an only TikToks. Is that a thing? It is now. All right. You can also find us on Patreon.com slash The Media Lunch Break, where that's what I was going to say. The videos, we, we put out videos of every episode on Patreon for a certain tier of Patreon subscribers. We have a bunch of different benefits to being various different types of patrons. So if you only want to, if you're only able to submit a dollar, there's like a thank you note for that. If you submit $10, if you can pledge $10 as a month, monthly fee, then you get a video of every episode unedited for you to watch uh, at your leisure. And it goes up before the episode airs, sometimes even as much as a week before It's a lot easier since it's not edited, so I can just sort of put it out on Patreon. A lot of our patrons just get the episode early, which is crazy. It's insanity. It's madness. Who would have thought that this would be a good idea? So come on down to the Media Lunch Break used car lot where we can get you a video of us talking about our TikToks unedited a week before the episode comes out. You can also... Uncut. Unedited. Unedited. Why did I turn into Mater from the Cars franchise? Unedited. That's the only... Get her done. You can also send us an email at themedialunchbreak at gmail.com or you can visit our website, which is www.themedialunchbreak.com. Give us a rating and reviewing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. 
Give us that thumbs up and a subscribe because uh, it helps. It does. Not because we have quality videos. Not because you want to. But just because you like us. because we want you to. Yeah, because we're in control. Now and forever. Yeah, right? I'm like the fire festival in human form. (laughs) In podcast form? Yes. We're the fire festival Festival podcast. New business card, everyone. Thank you to Julie. Thanks, Julie. For being awesome. She's uh, She was our first patron, and so we thank her at the end of uh, every show until she stops being a patron. Yes. And then I think we have someone lined up for Yeah, I don't know who it next, is, but right? it'll be whoever the it's second like the president. Is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we have like a line of succession. Eventually, we're going to lose all our patrons, and I'm just going to have to thank you at the end of every episode. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Which is going to be weird, because I'm not giving a goddamn red cent to this fucker. Not one. You will not get a dime out of me for this podcast. I probably have. You've definitely made more from it. Oh, 100%. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like, uh, what's your name again? Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me? Like Andrew said. Uh, if you want to leave that review, leave a rating review. Just leave it right in app. You can, you can. I'm gonna leave a fucking review if you can't remember my fucking name. As you're watching, watching what the fuck? As you're listening, as you're watching on Patreon, as you're watching on Patreon, as you're listening right now on your phone. Go on your phone. Go on whatever app you went on to find us. Go on right now as you're listening. Give us. Did a, you learn nothing from Don't Look Up? Go on your phone right now. Right now. And give us a five star review. And as always, if you leave us a five star review, you don't have to. It doesn't matter what that review is about. If you put five stars, you can leave whatever you want in the review box. It does not matter. You can break up with a girlfriend. You can propose to a boyfriend. You can just basically shit on us for being terrible at our jobs. That's totally fine. That's what we do. I know the last couple of weeks we've been asking for recipes. Do we have any recipes? I don't know. Do we want to change that up? Is there anything else you want to say to put into the review box? Tell me what your favorite TikTok is. <laughs> so give me an idea of something to make oh, that I can go. steal. You know what? I'll tell you what. You, if you want, I don't think this is legally binding, but if you would like, you can make that a place to put your last will and testament right there <laughs> in the review box. And that way, if anyone needs to refer to it, they just can listen to our podcast and find it in the reviews. And it's right there. And to be honest as well, that's uh, a lot of people don't like that wills are on the like official government regulated things, because a lot of times if you have debt, if you have like privately owned debt, like credit card debt, they can use your will as evidence that you have stuff that they can take and they can just take your shit to pay. I don't know. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's a real thing. That's why my mom didn't have a will because she was like 40 K in debt. So she was just like, you guys figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Mama done. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So do it here. Um, It's not legally binding. I'll tell you what. Yes. Put five star review. Put your, put your last will and Testament right on in there. All right. Just, just copy and paste it. Totally fine. We'll keep it safe for you. Don't you worry. And then when when you kick it, just leave a little note in, I don't know, a mayonnaise jar or something, a little <laughs> post-it, jar. whatever. We'll make it a little treasure hunt. You know what I mean? They go through your stuff. They go in the fridge and they're like, what's in don't this? Don't empty out the jar first, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd be great. And then they pull out the thing and they're like, what is this? And they like, find my last will and testament at the Media Lunch Break Podcast Review Forum. And there it is. And it's right there. It's in like 20 years. So they're like scrolling through reviews. And they're like, is this mom's last will and testament? That doesn't sound like her. 
Is this? Was mom's username Dicks for Days 42696? <laughs> <laughs> Pussy all night? What is this? <laughs> Did mom have a secret life that I knew nothing That'd be about? Amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> incredible <laughs> so yeah there it is that's that's what I, I think that's what I want people to start doing now leave your last oh, I was gonna say, right I had notes and mayonnaise jars I don't remember what doesn't matter who gives a shit we're out of here that's it there it is see we did a thing there wasn't a thing and now there's a thing and you can't stop us. And I think we can all agree that there should not have been, been a, a thing. thing. But there it is. You can. You didn't and get we to did us it. in time. Just try to fucking pry it from my cold, dead hands. Yeah. So there. So now you're out in the world while you're listening to us. Pay it forward. Doing a thing. Go do a thing. Go make it. Go thing. do another thing. Go do another if thing. If you're out running while you listen to this, go high five a fireman. Because they're just around. <laughs> you know what? Actually, if it's a policeman, high five them. If it's a fireman, don't high five them because they're probably busy. Because those guys usually aren't just like out walking around. So they're probably doing something. That being said, um, don't run towards a police officer with your hand in the air. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's, that's also a good point as well. But if you do do it, do it while screaming. I'll tell you what. If you see a doctor, go up and high five them. Wash your hand immediately, though. First and after. Yes. But maybe give them an elbow. That's a good one. An elbow bump. Not yes. like a not like Don't a elbow them. Yeah. We're role models. <laughs>